Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Portland Trailblazers are on free fall. Damian Lillard's hurt. CJ McCollum's hurt. They could be looking at shutting down Damian. We shall see. All I know is that this team is an absolute mess. I am Aaron Fentress. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I'm joined today by Joe Freeman, who covered the Blazers for a long time with the Oregonian. He's going to help me make sense of what's going on with this franchise. And let's just cut straight to the chase. Damian Lillard is bothered again by an abdominal strain. He's going to sit out at least two more games. Then they're going to reevaluate him. To me, this is all code for they're going to probably decide to sit him out for a long period of time. If not, actually have him have surgery on this reoccurring injury, which seems to be worse now than it's ever been. Joe, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think they should do? You know Dame very well. You know that he hates sitting out. How do you think this is going to play out in the next week or so? What, no no happy new year? No how you doing? Oh, Joe, happy new year, Joe. My straight into Merry, it. Merry Christmas. You didn't send me anything, so I'm still kind of pissed, but whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're used to it. Uh, look, I don't think there's any question right now that uh, – the franchise should go into the mode of let's say, let's start building for the future. I don't know if they're going to say the word tank. In fact, I know they're not, um, but (laughs) that's, they should start looking at where they're at in the standings, where they're at health wise on the roster, where they're at as a franchise, which has been pretty much a mess all season from all angles um, and, and start looking towards the future and, and, and honing in on getting a high draft pick. Now the biggest issue to that as you kind of touch base with is is Damian Lillard and his willingness to go about the to go about with the plan uh it seems like uh that's where the franchise wants to go I, I don't know that you know when Joe Cronin took over a few weeks ago for Neil Olshay that that's what he had in in his mind I haven't talked to him about it it seemed like he thought that this roster was still a contending roster and they still had the opportunity to get healthy and make some moves and make some noise in the Western Conference. But um, at this point, the franchise has backed themselves into this position by underwhelming on the court, and accumulating injuries off of it. And so uh, they're here, they're here, they are in the here and now. And assuming that Damian Lillard will require surgery, which it kind of seems like he is uh, headed that direction. I don't see this team getting better sooner and certainly to the point where they're going to, you know, make any noise in the West. So um, I I just feel like that's where you have to go. It just seems like an easy thing for where this franchise is and and where they want to be. Now, again, the problem is Dame and it's not in his DNA. He's the guy who throughout his career has prided himself on being available, 
uh, and playing well. And if he's healthy enough to step on the court, he's going to want to win. He's going to want to play and he's, and he's going to want to succeed. And so um, that's the biggest obstacle I think with all this. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who played what 275 games to start his NBA career. Didn't miss a, a game until midway through his fourth NBA season. I remember, um, you know, the first game he did miss, uh, we were in Atlanta at a shoot around talking to him about it. And you could tell it was a kind of a hard pill for him to swallow, uh, accepting that he was going to miss his first game. But, uh, look, my man's older, he's wiser, he's more established. I think things like that, um, that pride aspect never goes away, but you're just a little smarter. You know about getting old, Aaron, and, and what hey. that does to you, and what that hey. does to your, your body and your mind, you get smarter with, with age, you get more wisdom. And so, <clears throat> I think if the franchise can convince him that this is best for, for the team and for him moving forward, it's an easy solution because uh, it seems to me this team is, is heading nowhere fast. And uh, if they can't get a lottery pick, they're going to lose the pick anyway. So why not go after it and go after it hard? I'm with you, man. Um, first, for listeners, I know listeners, you know, I follow the team, but I just want to break this down because it's just been wild seeing what has gone on. So they were 10 and eight on November 23rd and they had won four in a row and Dame was back. Dame was balling. CJ was, was doing well. Everything was clicking. They looked like, okay, they're going to probably get back on track after starting the season, you know, six and eight. And then Dame's abs start messing with him. He has two horrible games at Golden State and Utah. You can live with losing at Golden State and Utah. That's kind of going to happen anyway, probably even if Dame is healthy, but then uh, they come back and he shuts it down. You beat Detroit, and then you lose seven in a row. And in that early in that stretch, CJ goes out with the collapsed lung, right? So now you've got your two best players out. Dame comes back and needs a few games to get acclimated. You lose, you lose three in a row in that stretch. And then he starts firing at all cylinders again. He has a great game against Charlotte, great game against Memphis. They lose at New Orleans, even though he had another good game, fine. And then, boom, he gets shut down again. Also, COVID then hits. COVID hits, you lose Nurk, you lose Zeller, you lose your size. You're out there playing Dallas and Utah and the Lakers with no true center. Dallas and Utah with uh, Porzingis and uh, Gobert put up like 134 points combined in, in paint points. Right? So you're getting killed inside. And so at that point, you're 13 and 22. You beat Atlanta the other night without Dame. Great showing by Simons losing in to Miami last night. You're 14 and 23. So the problem is you're nine games under. You don't know what's up with Dame. You don't really know what's up with CJ and things are about to get worse for you because after this weekend, when you play Cleveland, Sacramento, and then Brooklyn on Monday, you play 10 out of 12 on the road and you're one in 13 on the road this season. So even if Dame and CJ came back tomorrow, there's ample evidence that this team still is going to struggle because they're going to play so many road games. And you're looking at probably ended up being 12 to 15 games under 500 by the end of the month, by the trade deadline. I don't care how great Dame is or CJ or whatever. I don't think you're lifting yourself out of that beyond maybe making it into the play-in. Okay, you get into the play-in, you win, you get the sixth seed or what have you, and then what? You're out in the first round anyway? So to me, it's just blatantly obvious. This is almost a gift. This is almost a gift from the NBA gods, everything that's happening. Because if you're not going to contend at least to win a first-round playoff series, the last thing you want to be to me is a play-in team with a veteran team. You want to stink and get a high pick. <laughs> and the NBA gods have just hammered you with all sorts of these scenarios to put you into this position. And all you really need to do is just trade CJ and tell Dame to shut her down and you can end up with a top five pick. So to me, it's just right there in front of you. 
take advantage of it. Don't let Dame try and push it. <clears throat> this weekend, when he misses two more games for sure, he will be out 10 this season. That's the most he's ever missed. To me, that needs to double and triple, if not quadruple, by the end of the year. Yeah, and and you look at uh, – I mean, again, I think he's older and wiser, and, and I think he knows at some level he's got to have surgery anyway. This is an injury that's been a recurring thing for him over the years. It's never quite right. been this bad. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it usually kind of flares up in camp and such. And, and also, this is a man who's played a lot of basketball over the last couple of years, going back to the NBA bubble – then rolling into, you know, a, 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 another season on the heels of that, then the Olympics. And so it's been kind of a, an arduous, even more arduous than normal couple of years for him. And so um, you'd like to think that he would take into account that and looking at the future and, and, and all of that and, and make, you know, the smart decision. Uh, it will, again, though, it's not in his DNA to, to mail it in. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah. you know, you look at, uh, Kind of reminds me of this, but not so much because it's way earlier in the season. But Dame's first league and uh, first year in the in the league, Terry Stotts's first uh, season with the Blazers as coach, the Blazers overachieved and were kind of right on the cusp of the playoffs in that eight right. to nine range. And then they got to the final month of the season, had a couple of injuries, started to kind of hit the skids a little bit sat Nicholas Batum, sat LaMarcus Aldridge. And let me tell you, if the playoffs were on the line, these guys would have been able to play. Kind of kind of tanked uh, without tanking, lost their last 13 games. That netted them, uh, I believe it was a number 10 pick uh, in the draft, which then got them C.J. McCollum. Enough said. So, you know, you kind of look at where the franchise is from a financial standpoint, from a roster construction standpoint. They've got an ton of money invested in Dame, invested in CJ, invested in Norman Powell. I don't think either of us would be surprised to see CJ uh, on a different team next year, but still it makes a lot of sense to get a high level talented lottery pick. As you said, it just is a gift that fell into their lap for the future. Add that to kind of balance out their, their payroll and their roster construction kind of pair him even, you know, closer to the Anthony Simons timeline to look at the almost the next iteration of the team too. You know, you kind of add all that together and there's a lot of uh, a lot of positives that you can kind of spin this forward for a team that right now does not have a lot of positives going for it. Just for a historical comparison. So after they lost Aldridge and, you know, some people thought the sky was falling, of course, when you lose an all-star, of course, you know, in a, in a market like this where it's tough to get them, I, I believe they would get back to the playoffs within – or by the second year without Aldridge, they get back to the playoffs. They, they ended up doing the next year, which is sort of my point here. And I wrote about this for NBC Sports Northwest and talked about it like all summer endlessly, is that you have a bad season, you get a top three pick, and then the net, and you hope either CJ or Myers later click. Because remember, they, had the, they both had the little glimpses against Memphis, and you were wondering, was that – really going to be something or what have you, but you needed one of those two to click and end up being uh, CJ. You get a high pick and then you're going to have a lot of cap space. And they ended up jumping the gun and making the playoffs the next year. And I was just like, I, to me, they ruined their future when they did that, because had they been as bad as they, as Vegas had them being, which was, I think the over was 21 and a half. They could have gotten Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, or Jalen Brown. Could you imagine the last five years if they had one of those three guys and 
didn't never had to trade CJ to get that person, it would have changed the complexion of the franchise the last five years. I think they, I'm not saying they would have won the championship because you still have to deal with some of the super teams, but they would have been in the mix every single year to be in the West finals, I believe, and to really make serious runs. Instead, they overachieved in part because Dame is Dame, right? They were 11 games under and Dame's like, screw that. (laughs) We're going to try and make this work. I know for a fact that franchise wise, they wanted to tank kind of that year. Like you said, tanking without tanking is like, well, we're going to pretend to make this look good, but we kind of hoping we're going to stink. And that just killed them. And so now you have another chance of that. Granted, Dame's a lot older, but that makes it even more desperate, I think, to try and do, to try and make sure this happens because that pick, if it's top five, is going to be very valuable either in terms of who you draft or if you can flip it into something else. So to me, it's a no-brainer that, that this is good, this is what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, they're just ridiculous. Like, and I, I would I would I would tell Chauncey that, like, what are you guys doing? What's your goal here? You're going to be a playing team? Wow, because you're competitive. Okay, well, good luck, you know, with the rest of your uh, career here in Portland and Dame's career, because you're going to be in big trouble in terms of trying to build around Dame. When we all know that at any moment, Dame could be like, you know what, this doesn't work. I'm I'm out. So to me, this is not only a franchise maybe saving situation, but it's a we can keep Dame now for sure situation if you can maximize this opportunity and actually put two legitimate pieces around him one of those pieces either being the pick or flipping that pick well yeah and it also and you're absolutely right about 1516 it was neil O'Shea and the blazers plans to get a high lottery pick they did not expect to have the season they did and then they not only made the playoffs they went to the second round and it, I know. <laughs> it, ended, up, it ended up being one of paul allen's favorite teams and favorite runs and I remember him addressing the team after their loss in, in uh, I believe it was in Golden State, and, and it was kind of an emotional, memorable thing. But anyway, um, as an, kind of an ancillary benefit to this is, look, this, this team was, a, was built, it's a veteran team. It was built to make noise in the West. Um, and those, you know, whatever the saying is about best laid plans, that didn't work out. And so here we are, you know, eking into the playoffs in the playoff game or, or as an eight seed or whatever, it, it, what is that going to do for a veteran team? This isn't a young up and coming team that would get something out of that, that would, you know, kind of right. help them go through the fire and propel them right. for a year or two down the road, et cetera. <laughs> it would just be a disappointment and, and, and a waste. And so um, as an ancillary benefit to all that is, you know, if Dane doesn't play because he's hurt or whatever you want to call it, um, and, and other guys end up not playing as well, that gives Anthony Simons a larger platform and a larger role to play extended minutes. That gives Nasir Little extended minutes and a larger role. You get to see more out of what you have out of these guys. And those two guys have arguably been the only two bright spots of this season. And so that helps their development. That helps you kind of craft where you go at the trade deadline here in a month and then at the draft and at the trade you know, in the off season and, and so on and so forth. And so, man, just on a lot of different levels and a lot of different <laughs> ways, it seems like the obvious choice. And I have to say, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the weeds with this team like you are anymore. I, I'm not, uh, you know, communicating with Joe Cronin every week. You have to believe that that's where he's, uh, you know, shifted to. Again, I don't think when he took over that that was his intentions but weeks later, you know, I, I think he's had to size things up and realize this team just isn't it. And it's, it doesn't have it. And so, uh, 
you run the risk of losing a, a draft pick to because of the the trade for for Larry Nance Jr. If it's not in the lottery, which which handicaps your future, and and you even more importantly, you lose the chance to gain a, a potential top three or five pick. And so you can't you can't let that go. You, you can't let the opportunity to give some of these young guys even more playing time and a larger role. Um, and so it's it's it goes back again to convincing Dame and seeing where he's at healthy. And then once that issue is resolved, then you just go you go full in it. Because at this point, the Blazers have played themselves here. It was not by design, but here they are. 100%. 100%. You are listening to the Blazer Focus Podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. My fantasy for this team um, would be that you still do what you can to get Ben Simmons. I, and the reason why I, I'm so big on Ben Simmons, one, I think he's a talent, and two, he is infinitely available, right? And one of the biggest issues with the whole, you know, Neil didn't do this, Neil didn't do that around Dame thing is availability, right? You can't just make teams give you their star players. And I feel like sometimes people think, you know, that it should have been just easy to just go out and just – trade CJ or trade this person and, and net this superstar. And it's just, that's just not the case. A star has to be available to be gotten, <laughs> to be had. And this guy's available. And yes, he has flaws. Everyone has flaws. You're not going to get the, per- the only perfect, who are the perfect stars out there that you would want? Durant, Curry, LeBron two years ago, he's, you know, or even, well, I'll tell you LeBron now, obviously Giannis. I mean, I, above those, out of those, or Luca, obviously love him, Devin Booker, you know, but aside of six or seven, eight players, there's not a perfect guy you're going to get. So the flaws of Ben Simmons don't matter. The bottom line is he's an elite defender. He's an elite passer. He's a, a close to elite rebounder. He's not a great shooter, but you don't need him to be that on this team if you're surrounding him with shooters and he's available. So I do whatever I can to get him. Now, it would pain my heart if they traded Anthony, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, because I think Anthony is going to be really, really good. But if it takes that, it takes that. You go get Ben Simmons. You're going to move Covington and Nurkic. They have expiring contracts. You are not bringing them back, I don't believe. Um, So you move them for whatever assets you can get. And then you're going to get a top five pick. That pick, if it's a guy that you know is going to be an instant star like Luca was, then yeah, by all means, you keep that. To me, if it's like a Cade Cunningham who's up and down this year, or even the Barnes kid for uh, Toronto, like I don't know if I want a puppy. I don't know if I want a 19, 20-year-old to add to this mix if I've got Damon and, and Simmons out there. I'd rather flip that pick to someone else who's looking to move off a star player. Let's say, for instance, if Indiana's not able to trade Sabonis by the trade deadline, I can almost, um, I guarantee, not guarantee, but I can imagine that Indiana, which wants to rebuild, if you offer them a, the fourth pick in the draft for Sabonis, why would they not do that? Of course they would. Now, I was told last summer that Toronto was trying to move the number four pick to Portland for CJ, that that was at least discussed, but that Portland didn't want to get younger. So the same idea that Portland may not have wanted the fourth pick for a CJ is the same idea that Portland probably wouldn't want the fourth pick 
as opposed to someone else's CJ. You see my point? So if you can somehow make all that happen, and maybe it's not Simmons and Sabonis, maybe it's two other people, but two high caliber players, and you put them with Dame and Norman Powell, then you fill in the roster however you can with guys that Chauncey Billups and Cronin go out and cherry pick that fit what Billups wants. Billups is not happy with this roster. This roster has too many players on the team that doesn't do what he wants to do. He expects max effort every night, especially on defense. He wants guys who care about defense. He wants some more length. He wants some more athleticism. And so you go out and you cherry pick those guys to fill in your roster. And then all of a sudden, boom, you have what I think would be, especially with the Lakers, excuse me, Lakers falling off the map a little bit here. You have what I think would be an absolute Western Conference contender next season. Sounds like you got it all figured out, Aaron. I know. As you know, I put in my application for co-GM. Uh, you know, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to take Cronin's job. I think he should, he's, he's paid his dues. So I would be his assistant. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I'm sure he would love, he would love to debate you about everything every day. <laughs> I'd be fired within 24 hours because I'd be debating everything. <laughs> be like, what man, I've been, around a lot of, I've, I've been around a lot of people, but I've never been around a lot of people debate as much as you in 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we, I mean, we agree that, that this team has an opportunity in front of us that it, that it needs to season. And I, you know, again, not in the weeds, but I have to imagine that they've at some level accepted that because otherwise, what are you playing for at this point? Uh, nothing has worked out uh, with this season from any aspect in the organization. I mean, there has been a top to bottom overhaul with the Blazers this season. It's and so, wild, it? yeah, it, it is, it is remarkable. It, you know, it, it inadvertently is, is very reminiscent of, of, I believe it was, well, it was either 11 or 12 when, when this all happened before, after the, uh, the lottery season. And next thing you know, it's an overhauled roster, a new coach, a new GM, and, and there you go. And, uh, and then a new president shortly thereafter. So it's really is reminiscent of that. And, and, and here we are. Exactly. Okay. Um, all right. So we're, we're in total agreement on that, which is kind of freaking me out. But um, <laughs> it's a new year. <laughs> it's a new year. New Year's resolutions. We will agree at least once a month. Um, okay. So one of the one of the interesting things about all this is, is you know, I mean, we all know OJ got fired. They believe that he created a hostile work environment. Uh, you know, and that's that's personality stuff. I'm, I'm not getting I'm not diving into that. But from the criticism he took for his drafting, which I always thought was completely ridiculous. I mean, late round picks don't usually work out the Zach Collins thing. I mean, that's just bad luck. You know, Zach Collins being injured. You can't foresee that for all, you know, you take bam and bam gets hurt a lot. And not, and Zach goes out there and he kills it. And they was like, why don't you take Zach? So the injury thing to me is just silly, but they have two young players on this team right now who were taken late in the first round who are hitting. And it's, it's Anthony Simons and not Sear little. So, one, you have two young building blocks for the future. If let's just say, you know, for whatever reason, Dame says he does want out at some point, which he insists he doesn't want to. I still believe that if they can't put pieces around him, I think eventually he's going to say, and the franchise is going to say, we probably should part ways for the benefit of both of us. But you got two young guys there that either set you up for a rebuild or are a part of you acquiring extra, te- you know, uh, the guys we're talking about, I was talking about them getting because I cannot imagine that there's not a team out there willing to move a player that isn't going to look at, at those two and say, huh, if you give me X, Y, Z, and it includes and, and or little and or the pick or what have you, 
that's that's going to be extremely enticing. So just you know, again, like you said, you you haven't been following it as closely as I have, but clearly you know these two have been playing very well. How valuable is it for this team to be sitting in this position where you have these very good young assets who, right? Like if if you knew what you knew about them right now, if they were coming out of college right now, they would be top five picks, I, I believe. So just how enormous is it for them to have these two right now? Well, it, it's important and it was sort of the plan. Uh, I mean, you know, you, right. you, you take the best player you, you have available. Obviously, that was always Olshay's strategy, but you know, uh, to his credit and, you know, every feel about him as you feel, he definitely was always plotting different courses uh, along the way and, and at some level thinking about the future. And, and when you look at the next iteration of this team, uh, I, I think he always envisioned, and in fact, Damian Lillard uh, said for, for, for years near my end of my tenure that, look, when I'm long gone and out of here, this guy is going to be the guy that you want to talk to meaning Anthony Simons is going to be the guy to either replace me or kind of take over uh, near the end of my run here. And so, um, you know, I think at some level that's the plan. I don't think it was supposed to be uh, unfolding like this, but for a team that's kind of in no man's land and, and kind of plotting their next course, it gives you options because a, if you do end up blowing everything up and going young and really just, you know, flipping the page on all of this, um, because like you said, maybe Dame decides he wants to, to go elsewhere. You've got two, you know, solid pieces. You've got a couple draft picks at least, uh, probably more through trades and other young players and, and boom, it gives Blazers another, another, uh, you know, team to root for a different group, a uh, different nucleus to get behind. And, and here we go again. Um, or in another world, they're assets to get you the impact players that you want. Now, I don't know that it makes a lot of sense for the Blazers to trade Anthony Simons. I, I think he's uh, what he's shown is that he's got a, a next level talent uh, inside him. And when given the chance, maybe given consistent, you know, when he hits that consistent level, he can be, you know, a guy that can work with Dame or, or play alongside Dame or, or be the heir apparent, so to speak. And so, you know, I think you have to value that uh, or at least take that into account when you're when you're redoing the roster. I don't know how Joe feels about Anthony, but he was a part of drafting him and a part of developing. And here he is deciding his future. And so my guess is he feels the same. But also he's a guy that you control. You know, you you have his rights to match whatever deal he has because he's going to be a restricted free agent. And right. so uh, you have to take that into account being in Portland that that obviously has struggled to lure free agents. And so, you know, these are all the things that, are, are you have to weigh right now as you move forward, but in a bad situation, in a disappointing season that has gone awfully, if we're going to just call it what it is, you at least have this chance, which we keep going back to, you can get a top five pick. You can have all these options and these assets to decide how you want to move forward based upon, do you build around Dame? Do you, uh, you know, what is his happiness level? You know, what does he want? Or do do you punt and just re and blow up the whole thing? And Simons and Little are key parts of that. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up this, the contract situation with Anthony because what's going to happen now if they do shut down Dane is Anthony is going to be the starter. And one of the things I wanted to see from him, because the games he started when um, Dane was out earlier, he was he was pretty up and down. Like he wasn't you know, killing it. As a matter of fact, the month of December, he was awful. I think he shot 33% from the field, 30% on threes. He did not play very well at all. 
he had the huge game the other night, the day after his grandfather passed away, very emotional night for him. Uh, amazing story, uh, how he played and how he felt like, you know, it was almost like it, for him, it was an out of body experience. He just wasn't even himself. He says is basically credited his grandfather for it. And, you know, judging by how he played, who can argue against that, but I wanted to see him come back and do, you know, not 43 again, but still look like a guy capable of pretty much scoring at will, which is the way he looked like that night. And he struggled in the first half, you know, only three points. Part of that was because Kyle Lowry was on him. And part of that was because they were keying on him. Lowry gets kicked out of the game, second half or third quarter, he goes off for 20. Um, But again, Lowry was out. How much did that help uh, Anthony? But what we're going to see with him moving forward is how he adjusts each game to teams adjusting to him. And Billups said he talked to him after the, after the Monday night game and said, look, you know, Miami is going to have a game plan for you. And he saw that actually in the, in the second half against Atlanta, where Atlanta shifted his defensive focus to stopping Simon. So, so now he's got, got to process different things he's never seen on a continuous basis. Because at what point in his career has any team said, stop Anthony Simons, right? That's never really been a thing until right now. But if he shows that he can excel as the lead point guard for this team, that's only going to make his contract uh, you know, possibilities keep rising and rising and rising. And if you're Portland and you're paying Dame what you're paying him, which is I think gonna be 40 something next year, sorry, 40 something now. And then let's say you do keep CJ, he's making 33. Or if you trade CJ for Ben Simmons, he's making 33. And if you trade for another star, as I'm suggesting they do, that guy's gonna be making in the 20s. How do you keep Anthony Simons if on a restricted free agent market someone comes along and offers him five years, a hundred million dollars? Like you, and he's your backup guard. Cause you got Norman Powell making 18. Like it's just going to be, it's, it's going to create a, a nice problem to have because he's going to have high value, but to match that contract is going to be along the lines to the same issue they had last year is trying to decide to match anything that Gary Trent could receive. And that's one of the reasons why they moved him for Powell. Cause they figured if we're going to pay someone that kind of money, I want someone more advanced in age and experience to match the timeline with Damon CJ before a young and who doesn't have quite the experience. So that's going to be a very interesting storyline to see play out. And, it, and as much as I love Ant, I kind of almost feel like that they may at some point have to deal him just from a, a money standpoint and from the standpoint that you're not going to pay a guy that much to be a backup to your superstar when you can maybe flip him into a star at another position. I think where the Blazers are at is, is like you said, it's a good problem to have, but they're going to have to decide. They've got all these guards, right? They've got four yeah. guards, basically. And so they're going to have to decide. Six. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I know. They've I got know. to decide who they want to keep. You know, do you want to keep Norman Powell? Do you want to keep CJ? Do you want to keep Anthony Simons? And, uh, you know, that will just weigh into the equation of whatever, you know, however they decide to, to proceed. Exactly. All right. I think we've covered it all. It's crazy times, crazy times. And, you know, I, I just, I feel like it's a, it's a very pivotal moment. Pivotal. I can never say that word. Pivotal, pivotal. moment. I always want to add the B in there. Pivotal moments for the uh, uh, Blazers right now. We'll see how things shake out. But at the very least, you know, if they do have to shut it down, I know fans will be bummed, but you know, it's, it can be an exciting time as well when you're kind of doing a rebuild and maybe you get a high draft pick and you acquire a new player. So, and plus you get to watch Simons and Little continue to develop. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, any parting words of wisdom there, Joe? Nothing gets Blazers fans juices going more than a very high draft pick, man. <laughs> having having lived through the Greg Oden experience and then oh, the yeah. Damian Lillard, Myers Leonard experience and CJ and Man, Blazers fans, they love their young players, especially high, high lottery picks. The only thing they love more 
or deep playoff runs. So this team isn't doing that. So I think there's going to be a push uh, and an embracing of of the uh, the T word here coming up. And you're going to help me in terms of uh you know doing mock drafts and things like that, right? And projections and sure and scouting guys and analyzing. Yeah. Guys. you love that kind of stuff, don't you? I love college basketball. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, cool. I, I like I always always enjoyed covering the draft and the draft process, especially for high picks. It's it's yeah, uh, it's fun. Yeah, it can be fun. All right, thanks for listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. He's Joe Freeman. Please be sure to click the subscribe button and give us a positive review. And we will be back soon with another episode, probably after they decide what to do with Damian Lillard for the rest of the season. Thanks for listening.